listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Good morning, everyone. Um, I thought Heath was just going to go ahead and preach the message today. That's, that's fine with me. Uh, God can use whoever he wants to. Um, we are, um, I'm really glad to be back with you again. And uh, uh, I will be going to some of the other churches that have come out of and have been planted out of this church. And um, so it's, it's just a wonderful thing. My wife is going to be joining me the last part of... Um, of the almost three weeks, and so hopefully um, she might get to see some of you, and if not this time, maybe another time. Could you stand with me and let's pray, and um, we'll get straight into the word this morning. <clears throat> Father, we just say thank you for your goodness. We are your people who are called by your name. We've been rescued mightily by you. We want to thank you for bringing us out from under the tyranny of Satan. Thank you that you delivered us and you set us free from the dark domain and you brought us into the kingdom of light of your dear son. Not only did you bring us into the kingdom of light, we are light in the Lord. And we just say thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing. Thank you for the wonderful testimonies. Thank you for the time in your presence this morning. And even as we continue now in your word, we ask that you would open our eyes. Let us see wondrous things. Let us see things that will encourage, help, sharpen, correct, define. Do whatever you want to do in us. We belong to you, and we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What the Lord has laid up on my heart for us this morning is called Navigating Through Unfamiliar and Uncharted Territory. Navigating Through Unfamiliar and Uncharted Territory. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16, if you can read with me, we're going to put these up on the, on the uh, project them on the wall. And if you can read all scriptures with me, that way we can track together. Let's begin. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. When you, do, when you look at the word unfamiliar and you define it, it says not known or recognized, not having knowledge of or experience of. Uncharted, it's of an area not mapped or surveyed or unexplored. Uh, stepping into the unknown or the unfamiliar can mean different things to each one of us. Um, it may mean all the children are grown up and leaving the house, and as it was in the beginning, you're finding that you and your wife or your wife and your husband are on a new juncture in life. It may be a new baby that's being born and brought into the house, and you're now a new mom or a new dad. I remember when my first son 
my first child was born, I was so taken back by the miracle of it all, I was supposed to go down to the first floor to sign some papers. I ended up on the 15th floor of that hospital. I, don't, I couldn't tell whether I was going up or down. Just the miracle of just seeing, I mean, not just a baby being born, it's our first child. And uh, so we never knew the journey that we would be on in bringing a first child into the house. You may be a new graduate from high school or from college. It may be that you're just entering into college. It may be the start of a new relationship or the ending of one. It may be the move to a new town, a new job, a new house, even the writing of a book. For me and my family, we were given an opportunity in the late 80s. Some of you weren't born then, but I can still tell the story. Um, in the late 80s, to spend four months over in the UK, and it was a great opportunity for us to travel together. The plane trip was exciting for the kids. We packed way too much. Um, we had to take a train from London to Bradford up in the northern part of that country. And my wife and I were sad and, and really disgruntled at ourselves because we packed way too much. And the kids were not even able to help us at all. And when I had gone to the UK previously, Someone was there to chauffeur me around and take me from place to place of which I was going to be ministering. This time, they gave us a red Volvo station wagon. They handed me the keys, and in the glove compartment, there was a map of England. This is before GPS. <laughs> and um, um, I, I thought, oh my goodness. They gave me an itinerary that had 21 different cities that I was going to be ministering in. And my wife became my navigator. Uh, we grew very, very close that summer. <laughs> um, being a man of great faith and power, I said, to, I said to my wife, I said, God didn't bring us all over here to die. Let me, uh, let me kind of map out and get used to driving on the, on the wrong side, I mean on the left side of the street. And um, let, me, uh, let me get used to the signage because the signage sometimes would appear on the side of a wall or the side of a fence or it might actually have a sign. But that would be rare sometimes. And uh, it's true, isn't it, Sam? And, and so... I, I thought, uh, man, we're, we're really in for it. Not only that, the station wagon was a stick shift. And so I was having to learn to shift with my left hand and do all of the different things with my feet. And I kept turning um, the windshield wipers on when I was trying to turn the blinkers on. Uh, that wasn't helping people behind me to know where I was going to go. And uh, one of the things that we noticed on this unfamiliar and this uncomfortable situation of which we had signed up for was um, we didn't know. I mean, we looked at the map. We thought we needed to go to, to, um, to certain towns. Glastonbury was one of them, or Gloucester, I think that was Glastonbury. 
Glastonbury. And so we are here on this road, but we kept stopping every few uh, 10 or 20 miles just to make sure, are we on the right road to get to, to Glastonbury? And uh, it, it was quite, quite a summer. Um, I want to encourage any of you that are moving into unfamiliar territory this morning, and I also want to encourage those who might presently be moving through uncharted territory. God is with you. He will not forsake you. What may be new and uncharted for you is not new and unfamiliar to him. There is in this period of time, in this season that we might be in, it is a time to be more attentive. It's going to be less comfortable. We're going to have to be more flexible and continually seeking the face of the Lord. God called Abraham, and that's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Would you read it with me? The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I, I think of that often because I, I would have a lot more questions than it seemed that Abraham did. Where are we going? Um, and oftentimes, we as parents know that we get the kids all in the car, everything is packed up, and one of the first questions that comes out of their mouth, and we've got a journey that's 1,200 miles or 1,500 miles, and they say, are we there yet? And you go, oh my goodness, <laughs> we've just barely gotten out of the city. And they're wanting to know, are we there yet? And we just finally had to say to them, we'll let you know when we're just a few miles out. <laughs> because we've got a long road ahead. Oftentimes, that's the way we are with the Lord. He tells us to leave something that's familiar to go into something that's not so familiar. And we want to know, are we there yet? Because it's uncomfortable. It's going to be a long journey. It's going to be a, a place that we're not familiar with. And I don't know about you, but I like things in a very comfortable and very familiar pattern. Don't change my chair. Don't move my chair. Leave my shoes right where they're at. I know where they are. It may be messy, but at least I know where things are at. God doesn't like the comfortable. He seems to take us into areas that are un comfortable, unfamiliar, and there are at least three reasons. Let me give you two, the, at least one or two of them. The first is that it causes us to depend much more upon him. When it's uncomfortable, when it's unfamiliar, when it's uncharted territory, we tend to stay real close. The other is, it seems to be in the unfamiliar and the uncomfortable and uncharted territory that we learn the most. It's not in the things that we already know. God takes us into the areas of where we don't know that we might experience more of him. In Daniel chapter 3, we discover the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and they are captives in a new country, an unfamiliar culture, an unfamiliar language, a culture that worshipped other gods. They're being confronted 
by King Nebuchadnezzar and they are refusing to bow down to the golden image that he has set up and that he has made in the plain of Dura. In their refusal to bow and by standing, it's the first time recorded in Bible history that standing was recorded as worship to God. Oftentimes, worship had to do with bowing before, but because they knew that it was a foreign and an idol, they refused to bow. God recorded it as worship to his name. They are persecuted for their refusal, and the fire is heated seven times hotter, and they are thrown into it. However, God is with them. He does not forsake them. They are presented and preserved, and not a hair on their bodies is singed or their clothes burned, and they come out not smelling like smoke. I'm telling you, folks, there is something about going through something, and you don't come out smelling like smoke. You know what I mean? You know, when you smell like smoke, you talk about how bad it was. You talk about how much and how hard and how difficult it was, and everybody goes... Yeah, smell some smoke on that one. But when God brings you through and you're gloriously brought through and there's not a hair on your, on your, on your body that's singed, there's not even of the clothing that you have that is burned and you don't come out smelling like smoke, then God gets all of the glory. By the way, by the way, when you look at, uh, at, at their names the original names that are given to them, you will find the reason that they did not get burned in that fire is that they had names that came from the very nature and character of God. You can't burn up God in a furnace. It's just wonderful. In Exodus chapter 14 and 15, the children of Israel at the Red Sea, the mountains are to their left and to their right, and the Egyptians are behind them, pursuing them. And the Red Sea is in front of them. They've never been in a situation like this. They knew where they were going to the promised land, but they did not know the journey by which God was going to take them. And in fact, sometimes God would take them by the long route, not the short one, but the long one, in order to, he knew what was in them, he knew that if he took them by the short route, that they would be afraid and wanted to return back to Egypt because they would have to fight. So God took them along on a, long, on a longer journey. They've never been in a situation like this, and Moses does not know what to do, so he gets down on his knees, and God says to him, why are you crying out to me? Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 14, 15 through 16. Read it. Will you read with me? Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Now let's just stop. You, you think, well, Lord, I mean, we're in a pickle here. We, we, when things are not going so well, I mean, what do you think we're crying out to you for? We're crying out because we need some help right now. And the Lord says, why are you crying out to me? Let's go on. Tell the Israelites to move on. Lord, there's a sea in front of us. There are mountains on both sides of us, and there are Egyptians that are pursuing us. And God apparently does not change his plan even when it seems difficult. 
even when it seems insurmountable, he wants us to press on and press through. This is what he says. Read with me. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I love the Lord. He doesn't even want to just open up the sea. Wouldn't that be a miracle enough? Wouldn't that be something? How many of you have ever seen a sea parted or a river parted? I mean, just to see that would be incredible. But God says, do that, and then what I'm going to do is cause a wind to blow, and I want my people to walk on dry land. I don't even want them to get their feet muddy. Oh, my goodness. What care. What glorious care that the Lord bestows upon us, his people. And so, again, God is wanting us to go through. He wants us to go through. Isaiah 43, 2. Look at this. Read with me. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And go on to the next verse. Apparently, they didn't have this one ready because I didn't know that it was in verse 3 because it it talks about, um, do, you have, do you have the one that says, when you pass through the fire? We'll get there, folks. Well, let's, let's move on. Uh, because it says, when you pass through the fire, it will not burn you. The, the, yes. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now, I've thought about this. I've thought, hmm, that's a wonderful promise. That's a wonderful promise for both fire and water. So why don't we just take God at his word and not have to go through it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a wonderful promise. Um, when you go through the, the fire, the flames won't burn you. When you go through the water, you'll not be drowned. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Lord, count me in. Amen. Amen. But God says, no, that's not good enough. You're going to have to go through the fire. You're going to have to go through the water. See, what we want is, Lord, take me out. I want out. God says, if you get out, you won't find out what I know about the promise. So I've got to take you through. In taking you through, you're going to find out that the fire will not burn you. When I take you through, you'll discover that the waters will not overwhelm and drown you. It's through the unfamiliar, it's through the uncharted that God wants to reveal aspects of his character, aspects of his nature to us, and there is no other way for him to do it than when we go through the situation. Some of the normal negative aspects and reactions that we can have as we seek to navigate the unfamiliar is we can refuse to go or we can resist in such a manner that it's just tough going. 
Oftentimes, we're fearful, and we worry. We have anxiety attacks and panic attacks as we go through the unfamiliar. Sometimes it just makes us upset and angry. Um, Another one, my wife reminded me we were called by God to leave Albuquerque, New Mexico in the spring of 1981 and move to a place that he had not yet designated for us to go. We thought it was to um, Cincinnati, Ohio, but it's when we ended up in St. Louis, Missouri. God had me quit a job that I had, and for four months prior to my third child being born, I didn't work. I tried to work, but every time I would try to go to work, I would get this this peace in me. And God said, I'm trying to give you a vacation because where I'm going to be, well, he didn't tell me that part, but the part that I, he didn't tell me that when you get there, you're going to be working real hard. So I want to give you a respite right now. But my wife reminded me, she said, that was a stressful time. We saw the miracle of God but it was a stressful time for us as well. So we can have that reaction. We can have stress, anxiety, and frustration. We can also have uncertainty and fretting. Here are some of the positive responses that we can have as we step into the uncharted and the unfamiliar areas. A sense of anticipation. There can be faith and expectancy. I put here, we can have an initial sense of excitement and a sense of adventure. One of the things that I was so glad, because when we took off from Albuquerque, headed towards the Midwest, I kept saying to the Lord, I said, just give me more detail of what it is that you want. He refused. He did not give me any more detail of what was going to happen the people that we were going to meet, the situations and the circumstances that we were going to find ourselves in. And I'm glad he didn't because if he had have told me everything that I was asking him for in stepping into the unfamiliar and the uncharted, I would have still been in Albuquerque. I would have said, thank you, Lord, but <laughs> you know how it is, Lord. <laughs> And he didn't. Isn't it something he gives us just enough to get us to step into it? Enough to exercise our faith. Enough to get us moving. But not enough that we would go, "Mm, uh, thanks, but no. I want to give you some practical things in closing. If I get through this in 35, I think I had 30 minutes or 35 minutes. This is a miracle, folks. Um, This will be a miracle. Some of you must be praying. Um, uh, As we go through the unfamiliar and the uncharted territory, these are some practical things that we can do. We can stay close, cling to the Lord who is the unchanging one. We stay close and cling to the Lord who is the unchanging one. And it's like Dave said right right at the, the very beginning of our worship today that 
He loves to hear our voice. And we can call out to him. We can call out to him in prayer. We can call out to him in praise. Psalm 32, verse 8. He said this as we do that. He said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. Isn't that good? He will instruct us and teach us in the way as we're going. And he will counsel us with his loving eye upon us. So that, that's one of the first things that we do. Second, we're to draw up on those within the body who are more mature, more experienced, and who have walked through similar territory that we're presently navigating. I'm just going to use Heath's testimony this morning. That's a beautiful testimony of being able to not be prideful, not feel like we have to have it all together in our own selves. Uh, and especially as men, we can tend to do that sometimes. I'm not afraid to tell anybody that I cry. Uh, I cry a lot. I think I cry more than my wife. But I used to keep it in, and that was unhealthy. And I used to kick walls in. That was very unhealthy. Um, and, and I didn't, I never took it out or abused anyone, but I abused myself. And so when God arrested me for his purpose, one of the things that he did was he set me free in my emotions. Rather than keeping it out, I let it out now. I'm not afraid. Strong men can uh, allow themselves to be vulnerable and open. I'm going to say that again. Strong men can allow themselves to even appear weak and allow themselves to be vulnerable and open. I cry now. I take more tissue to the movies than my wife. <laughs> I do. I do. I won't, I won't tell him. Dave and I went to see a movie called, what was it called? Um, Unbreakable. I was, I was a mess. I, I, breakthrough, whatever it was, it, it broke me. I, I was finished. I was finished. I was, just, I was there weeping and crying. Uh, a man... <laughs> In fact, I, I was in such a mess that a man who was some down, he, he, he came over and he, he said, here, and he handed me Kleenex. I said, thank you. We were a mess. The third thing, be grateful, be thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18. Look at this. Speak it with me. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Let it be that we're, we're constantly, daily giving thanks to God. I give thanks for the, for the, for the things that many people skip over. I thank God for, for water, running water. I thank him for hot and cold water. I, I've been in situations where we didn't have it. I've been in countries where they did not have it. And we take it for granted. I give thanks to God for a bed to sleep in and for covers and for pillows. I give thanks to God for being able to have a bed that's up and not just on the floor. Come on, somebody. Talk to me. I give thanks to God for everything. I thank him for the food. I thank him for being able to eat it and then digest it. I, I thank him for water, clean, wanting water. I thank him for it. I do not take any of it for granted. I believe that when you're thankful, it causes us to acknowledge God 
right in that moment, right in that present day, and we see the movements of God when we're thankful. It's when we're unthankful that we can't see. Our eyes are blinded then to the movings of the Spirit throughout our day. Thanksgiving causes us to be keenly aware of the movement of God and what he is doing in our lives. Is that, uh, that's number three? Number four, recall past experiences and how the Lord has brought you through. He who did it then will do it again. Lamentations chapter 3, 21. Read with me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I hope. So that the, the writer is letting him, there are things that I'm bringing back to my memory of when I was in this situation or in that circumstances, and I'm calling it back now. Why? Because I'm in a present situation that I need to see God move in this one. He's moved then, he will move again. This same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, number, number five, pray, pray, pray. Philippians chapter four, six and seven. Read, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I, I love this. I love this so that my mama, my mama would, she would just on every, everything I would hear mama doing throughout the house, she would just talk about, she would say, Lord, we need this. We, would, we need this. And she would present. She wouldn't be anxious. She would not be in any way worried or concerned. Mama just would walk through the house uh, this was back in the 50s, and, and mama would go through the house, and you'd just hear her as she's washing the dishes or she's doing something, and she's lifting up all of the requests, all of the things of which we're needing in the house. We didn't know what was going on. Kids, we just think everything is there. We did not know that there were things that were not present in that house. And mom was at the table, had set the table, all of the silver, the plates were there, the glass filled with water was there. And then she called all of the children and said, come on, let's sit down. And she, we took hands and we joined hands all around the table and we're praying and I'm thinking the food is going to be coming out. That's next. Didn't know that there was not anything in the cupboard. There was nothing had been, all of it had been used and all of it had been cooked. While mom is praying and lifting up all of the requests to the Lord, there's a knock at the door. She does not stop praying. She continues to give thanks to the Lord. When she finishes, she sends my brother Major, who is the oldest boy in the house, and she sends him to the door. He says, Mama, Mama, there's groceries there. And there were boxes filled with food that we like to eat. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about stuff that you don't want. This was stuff that we liked. And someone had dropped off boxes of groceries. And mama was just saying, Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you. She would use this one out of Psalm. She said, I have been young, but now I'm old. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't you worry about a thing. 
What we have learned is this, beloved. What we've learned is this, that every need that comes into our lives exists for one purpose. Every need that comes into our lives, it exists for one purpose. That is that we may see the glory of our God. He has already foreseen what is now coming into your seeing, and he has already foreprovided that for which you need. I don't know if you got that. I'm, I'm, I, I came home from work. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I came home for lunch. Uh, my son, John Asher, is on one side, and my daughter, Christina, is on the other side. And uh, this, is when, this is during the hippie days, and so my wife had one, one of those long skirts, you know, that moved all the way down. And, and John is on this side, and Christina's on this side, and they're, Mommy, we're hungry, hungry. And I'm going, my goodness, what's going on? And mom is there, the counter is here, they're down here, and she's got the peanut butter, she's got the bread, she's crushing the peanut butter and the, and the banana, they love that, and she's putting it together, and they have no idea that mom is here with all of what they're crying for down here. She is preparing for them up here. And the Lord said, I want to teach you something. He said, I've got folks, he said, I've got children just like yours who they're at a lower position. They cannot see on the counter of heaven that I'm already working out every detail of what it is that they're crying out for, and I'm preparing it for them, and I'm going to bring it to them, and I want them, instead of crying out for it, to give me thanks that I've heard them. Our God is for us. Our God is with us. In the unfamiliar In the uncharted, he is there. It's a matter of trust. We must trust him. One of the things that sin has done for every one of us that has caused such devastation and ruin in our lives is that it has caused us to run from the one that we should be running to and clinging to the one that we should be running from. God wants to turn it around. To where in the unfamiliar, we'll cling to him. We'll stay close by him. We'll call upon his name. We will know that because it may be new for us, it's not new to him. He's our trailblazer. He's our pioneer. He's gone before us. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 12. We want to be like Jehoshaphat. Our God will not, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that good stuff? Our eyes. Our eyes are upon you, Lord. You're our hope. You're our strength. You'll fight. You'll fight this battle for us. We can admit our helplessness. We can admit that we don't know what to do. We can admit that we're scared. We're not going to be like the song. There's a song that says, Whenever I am afraid, I hold my head erect and whistle a happy tune so no one will suspect 
I'm afraid. Well, okay, so you're in denial. Um, <laughs> no, the psalmist says, whenever I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. It, it's nothing wrong with being afraid. It's just what do you do when you are afraid? I'll put it in the, I'll put my trust in the Lord. Lord, you're my rock in the midst of this. You are the one who has gone before me. I'm going to stick close by you. Lord, when I don't know what to do, when I don't have the strength, you will be my strength. There is a, there is a verse in closing. There's a verse in Psalm 143. Psalm 143, verse 8. Would you read this for me, with me? If you can stand. This is, this is, this is our last verse. This is a miracle, folks. Uh, a miracle has taken place in your midst this morning. Uh, <laughs> 40 minutes. Uh, 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 35 minutes. That's, that's you, you can, a miracle has happened. Um, Will you read with me? Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I put my trust in you. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life for to you I entrust my life let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I have put my trust in you let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life for to you I entrust my life Father we want to just say thanks thank you for the power of your word thank you for the power of your spirit we thank you if you are going through a new season, you're in unfamiliar territory, would you just raise your hand? Yes. Yes. I'm in the right house. Keep your hand raised, please. 
I want to sing that song again. The Lord gave me that. He just gave me the melody as I was going through. He said, I want you to sing this over my people. I want you to sing it over my people tomorrow. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I've put my trust in you. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. For to you I entrust my life. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to just say thank you. That for what you're taking us through, we're going to come through better. We're going to come through knowing more about who you are. Knowing more, more about your character, your nature. Knowing more of the solidity of your promise. And your promises of which you have spoken to so many of us. We want to thank you that you are not just a promiser. You are a promise keeper. And we thank you. We thank you that you will take us through when we're anxious, when we're afraid, when we're scared, when we're stressed. I thank you, Lord. We will lift our voices and we will tell you where we're at, that we may receive your provision. We thank you. You are our guide. You are our shepherd. We belong to you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.